It was a firm decade after Nimrod had died that Abraham was born. Nimrod was that vile and polluted grandson of Moses. And in his quest for power, he established a rebellious climate in the earth. It was in one of those establishments that Abraham came to be. More specifically, he grew up in the land of Ur, the Chaldeans. Rebellion seemed to be the rule of the day as people shifted from place to place looking for yet another sinful pleasure, perhaps fertile ground. Cyclical in nature is the path of people. We oftentimes breathe in the carcinogens of convenience until it smothers our spiritual walk. Nimrod knew it better than most as he offered people a choice of gods to choose from. They were void of any real obedience to something that would constrain their flesh. In a curious call to this man who we now know as Abraham, few would be given that call. God said to Abraham, Abram as the moment, that he should depart from the land of your fathers and go to a place where I will show thee. He did what so many others would not do. Abraham obeyed the voice of God and became submissive to the constraints of a holy God. We just sang about him. In a broad stroke of compassion and maybe for the sake of his fatherless nephew, Abraham will take with him Lot In no uncertain terms and much to the dismay of worldly-minded pulpits, I'll gladly say it like it is tonight. Abraham was called out. He wasn't called to blend in or bend around. He was called out. He wasn't asked to morph or meld. He wasn't to live a life that was unoffensive to his community. He was called out. Abraham was purposely and intentionally called to be someone different than the rest. To be and not just to do. Is separated by a great gulf almost unrecognized by our own modern religion. It matters not what you do if you will not be. If you only do Pentecost then you will eventually and inevitably do something else when it changes. Just to do church, the church thing, will cause you to shift when the collective makes the next tragic turn. Abraham was called out. Not positioned to be in. And if you peel back the layers of motives, then know this. Carnal people feel much more comfortable with being in than being out. Out denotes loneliness. And exclusivity. It conveys an uncool factor that doesn't appeal to modernism or our generation's sensibilities. 
But I'm rising tonight in support of the covenant that can only be found when we follow and when we find what can only be found when we follow and find what can only be sought when we follow and find those who have dug it out and prayed over it. I'm in pursuit of the covenant. I'm a keeper of the covenant. Abraham took Lot with him. In this journey of faith and promise, he didn't even know where he was going. And yet, looking ahead at but a handful of pages later, we are shocked to find out a growing dispute between the family of Lot and the family of Abraham. Once again, Abraham would relent to the wishes of his high-minded and haughty nephew. When he made this request, Abraham said, Please, let there be no strife between you and me. Please separate from me. Take whatever lamb that pleases you the most and I'll take whatever is left. Lot was about to make a major directional error and would come to cost him more than he ever imagined. Indeed, Lot had gained wealth and riches, but he did so through the blessing and the covenant of Abraham. Achievement, accumulation, betterment, and the rest has caused a thousand men and women over to look inward instead of upward. It has hardened the softness of spirits as individuals take into account their own significance and accomplishments. I've watched it with my own eyes. And amazingly enough, most of our blessings and gifts did not come by way of our own means, but they came by way of our relationship to another man's covenant. This generation, our generation, is certainly undoubtedly reaping in vineyards that we did not plant. We are gaining because of the sacrifice of people, most of which will never know their names. Lot will miss this critical point in his thinking. He'll miss it. Instead, he's looking at his increase and all the flocks and servants and the things piling up in his tents and on his wagons. His attitude of personal accomplishments has permeated his household and there is conflict among them. When Abraham asked to separate for the sake of peace, Lot, hear me, he should have begged Abraham not to have him depart. When Abraham said, our families are at odds, we're having trouble. And so for the sake of harmony and tranquility, we should leave one another. Lot should have said to his uncle Abraham, I will not go. He should have fallen on his face and begged his uncle to keep him close. He should have cried out, don't make me leave here. Don't make me go. Lot should have cried and begged. He should have said, I would have rather give up all my cattle and all my sheep and all my oxen and everything that I've required than to leave your side. But Lot missed it. He was blinded to the connection between his personal blessing and the covenant. He was blessed because of the covenant. It was the covenant of being called out that caused him to be blessed. And it came by way of Abraham, Lot, should have given all of his possessions away and kept the covenant. But he took his uncle's offer and he did the unthinkable and separated. Abraham's offer was an invitation that in turn revealed Lot's spirit. It exposed the value that this fatherless nephew placed on God's called out covenant bearer. But Lot was a fool. Not just because he believed that his gain was his own, but more so because he thought that any direction that he took, any direction was just as good 
as the direction of Abraham. That invitation alone should have been a wake-up call. But the issue has and will always be about direction. The right direction and misdirection. The covenant was to be separate from the world. It was built on separation from all the world. It hinged on obedience and submission. Not on understanding and perception. It hinged on, hinged on submission and obedience. Abraham's almost benign and credulous offer should have shaken Lot to his core. But he never caught the heart of his uncle. Instead, Lot lifted up his head and peered over the shoulder of his uncle to the well-watered land that was soon to be destroyed, Sodom and Gomorrah. Whatever that land was, whatever the state of those cities might have been, the ignominy that existed there by their sinful practices alone, all of it would never match the tragedy of Lot's decision to take a different direction than Abraham, the bearer of the covenant. Abraham's direction was the direction of the covenant. It had demands on it, of course. It entailed a mark on the flesh. It would have made demands on the minds and will and time of the believers and followers. The covenant gave direction on how to live. It had requirements of outward appearance and inward sanctity of the heart. And last but not least, it was what God was blessing and what God had ordained. So whatever direction Lot might have traveled, whether towards Sodom or some other nondescript valley, all of it would have turned out the same because the issue was and will always be about the direction of the covenant and my own direction. He turned away from Abraham. He left the presence of the covenant bearer. And in doing so, he headed toward disaster. Every location would have resulted in degradation and decay. Every place, irrespective of its allure and promise, would now end in tragedy for him. But we're not dealing with a generation who believes that. I'm preaching to a society of religious people abroad who have bought into the lie that all worship is equal and truth is relative and holiness is an outdated manuscript concocted in the 1950s. Many have bought into the thought that all churches are the same and that everybody has different ways and levels of understanding and revelation. They say it's all good. We're all serving Jesus, so it doesn't matter how you live. I'm struggling with a culture which believes that connections are irrelevant and we can all find our own way in our own time. And we are witnesses, and we are witnesses to people who think that their personal opinions about God and holiness are subjective and that no one has the final truth, nothing is fixed and sure. There is a culture, even among apostolic Pentecostals, that believe our fathers were out of touch and they just didn't understand this new generation. Hear me now. My father found a covenant as a Methodist boy. He found it he pursued it and he loved it he came from nowhere to this truth the covenant of separated life and the holy ghost became his heritage even though he had no roots in the truth the covenant became his heritage so i stand to submit to everyone that not every valley is a trial of your faith and not every mountain is a victory and not every friend is your friend and not every preacher bears the truth and a sermon is inherently not true just because it begins with a scripture and a song is not innately anointed just because it talks about Jesus. We have to be after the covenant. The covenant defines who we are. Not every book by Christian authors retain all the truth though they may have some nuggets of good things in them. All of those nuggets only come from the word of God but the covenant comes with constraints and it comes with conviction. It binds me by obedience and makes demands of me by submission. The covenant separates me from worldly ambitions and it makes me distinct and I did not create it nor did you. 
(laughs) You're going to stumble on this thought because you might think that Sodom and Gomorrah was the root of Lot's horrible life. You're going to say that at least you're not that bad. You're going to say that as long as you don't go that far, you can still live where you want to and how you want to. But here, pastor, tonight, any other direction than the called out life will result in trouble. Any direction other than the separated direction will result in unspeakable tragedy for you and your family. Because only the covenant direction is the called out path. I know, I know. I'm not supposed to say it. Our Christian magazines tell all the preachers that religion needs to set people free. But the Bible takes issue with those articles. Paul said that he was bound up for the hope of Israel. He was constrained. He couldn't do anything but but preach the gospel. He said, I can't do anything else. Peter and John even said, whether we want to please you or please God, judge ye because we cannot speak but the things we have seen and heard. Jude wrote that he earnestly, we should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. It came before him. Jude was just following the covenant. Paul was just following the covenant. And the mark of the covenant was the Holy Ghost, of which the Bible says is the earnest of our inheritance. The direction you're heading is the story of your life. Your direction defines who you are. It echoes the sentiment of your heart and it reflects your desire. Your direction speaks of your honor to your heritage. And to those who have preached the word, it tells of your passions and your intent. You see, Lot left Abraham by invitation. He turned away when Abraham made the offer. I'm telling you tonight that if anybody ever offers you a chance to turn around, if anyone ever offers you an easy way out of the back door, You ought to fall on your face and beg not to leave the presence of the Lord and this one God, Jesus' name, baptism, holiness, lifestyle. Here, Pastor, you ought to cry out. Don't make me leave. I'll never leave because no man, the Bible says, having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. A family several years ago left my pastor's church and what a tragic mistake it was and it is even today. When he gave them a choice of whether or not they wanted to leave or stay, they should have fallen on the floor before him and they should have begged them to keep him, keep them. They should have begged him to keep them. But, but like Lot, they thought that any direction was just as good as the one they were following that day. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what Lot should have said. When Abraham said, let's separate. So at least we're, we're not fighting. Let me read to you what Lot should have said to his uncle Abraham. I'll read it to you from another book of the Bible. The book of Ruth. He should have said, entreat me not to leave thee. Or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I'll go. And where you lodge, I'll lodge. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I want to die. And there I'll be buried where you're buried. And the Lord do so to me and more also if aught. But death part me and you. The only thing that's going to separate us is death. 
That was Ruth begging her mother-in-law, Naomi, not to make her leave. When Naomi said, okay, girls, your husbands are gone. My husband is gone. I'm going back home to Israel. I've got to go back to the land of the covenant. You can stay here and you can stay here in this land. And Ruth said, oh, no, no, no. Please don't make me leave. I got to go with you. Wherever you're going, I'm going. Wherever you're living, I'm living. Whatever you're loving, I'm loving. Whatever God you're serving, I'm serving. Where you live, I live. And where you die, I'll die. And nothing's going to separate me but death. She's holding on to Naomi. Because she knows there's something greater in Naomi than what's in her. She doesn't know the whole thing. She knows there's something deep inside of Naomi. And she's not willing to let it go. Lot should have said, don't urge me to leave or turn back. Take me wherever you're going. I'll shed a few sheep if I have to. I'll get rid of all this stuff if I have to. I'll do it. But don't let me go. Don't make me go. Lot should have said, if I have to change my friends and my acquaintances, I'll do it. But please don't make me leave this presence. If I have to be lonely for the rest of my life, I'm never going to leave the covenant. I'm never going to leave the truth. I'm never going to leave worship. But Lot was so oblivious to the fact that he was blessed by virtue of another. He was so arrogant to think that he could do it all by himself. That for him, leaving was just as good as staying. He thought that aloneness with all the stuff was healthy. That it was just as good as togetherness. He thought that independence was just as beneficial as submission. I hope you're listening because I'm preaching here tonight. You're never better than when you're submitted. You're never more like Jesus than when you humble yourself before the Lord. There is no other direction. If it means heading in the right direction, I know that whatever you give up in this temporal life, it will be nothing compared to what you gain in the covenant. The small price that you pay for separating from the world doesn't compare to the wonder of being anointed and powerful and chosen. Again and again, the Lord has given opportunity for direction to his people. St. Corinthians tells us, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and seek my face. And here it comes, turn from their wicked ways. Even Jesus points to it when he speaks to the rich young ruler. The man is struggling with direction in life because he thought about what he was going to have to give up and lose to follow Jesus. The Bible says that the man walked away because he considered the cost. Jesus is calling you, even here tonight, don't leave the covenant. Follow the covenant. If you take a survey of the scripture, you'll find that Abraham only attempted one military action. It's so abnormal to his resume that most would argue that he ever did such a thing. But it's found in the Bible when five rival kings plundered the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and carried Lot and his family away into slavery. Abraham came to the rescue. Abraham followed them to Dan and routed that military conquest. 
Abraham saved Lot from those rival kings. He rescued Lot, his whole family from those abhorrent men. And now after the battle was over, they're walking back together. Out of relief, they are embracing one another. But again, Lot will turn away from Abraham. And he'll make the second and most disastrous directional error of his life. You see, God is about to destroy those wicked cities. The place where Lot now lives. After all that had happened, the privilege of coming with Abraham out of the Ur of the Chaldeans, the blessings and the provisions afforded him by way of his uncle, the herds of animals and servants and wealth, and then the rescue itself. You would have thought by now that Lot would have seen the mighty hand of God upon Abraham. But the cities that Lot had chosen are froth with sin. As horrible as it possibly could be, Lot continues to stay. You see, pride keeps people in bad decisions longer than the devil could ever keep them. And now Abraham begins to intercede for his nephew. Abraham will seek the mighty face of God on behalf of those cities for 100 righteous souls. God will find not 100 or 50, 30, 20, not even 10. He will seek God for the sake of his spiritually blind nephew. Because of that prayer, God will send two angels to rescue Lot and his family from that impending destruction. And the angel said, we're going to go to the mountain. That's where we're going to be safe. But Lot, he says no, but he wants to go to a small city named Zoar. He has completely lost his sense of direction. All that time living in those abased cities have made him cold and indifferent. He will even disobey the angels of God. As Peter would come to call Lot a vexed man, he is not finally numb to the virtues of right and wrong. Lot has lived so long in the wrong direction that Zoar looks as good to him as the mountain presented by the angels. Any religion will look good to you when you leave this separated life. Oh, I'm preaching the word to somebody here tonight. You leave this separated life. All the religions will look just the same as the one you left. It won't take long until exclusivity of the name of Jesus and baptism will morph into anything you want. A little mixing up, even offering more just so that no one is offended. When you leave this covenant of holiness and being called out, there'll be a day when you come to despise those who dress modestly and live modestly because that's what happens when you get vexed in your spirit. There's a false humility, humility and a vain enlightenment every time. Lot said, Zoar looks just as safe as the mountain. We'll just go there. And for whatever reason, I do not know. But the angel of the Lord acquiesced saying, I'll grant you this request. But when they got to Zoar, his wife turned back and looked at the cities. Oh, to tell the story. What happens when you leave the covenant? Lot's wife becomes a three-word sermon of Jesus in the gospel. The three-word sermon of Jesus was this. Remember Lot's wife. 
Lot's wife turns back to look at what she left. She's counting the cost. Her spirit is so tainted by a life of wrong direction that she cannot but help disobey God's clear word. And in the moment of her regret, she turns to look and turns into a pillar of salt only to be washed away by the April rains. She has raised two girls in the middle of that misdirection in horrible cities. And though they are virgins, they are corrupt. Their spirits are so stained by sin that they will have a sordid affair of the which I will not speak of tonight for the sake of all the people. But out of that sexual encounter will come the true enemies of Israel, Moab and Ammon. Abraham's children will be killed and make war against Lot's children. Abraham's lineage will fight and die by the hands of Lot's failed misdirection. What you do here tonight is not just going to affect you, but it matters to every person around you and the people that you don't even know yet. Your pastor tonight, how you live today will become your tomorrow. How you talk today will become the common vernacular of tomorrow. The direction of your life tonight becomes how everybody in your family is going to live. So I don't know. I cannot tell everyone how to live. I cannot, I cannot pastor everybody. I cannot father everyone. I cannot be a husband to everyone. But I rise up to say to the famed man who decided it was enough. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't know what kind of lifestyle you're going to live. I hope you choose the right way. But for my wife and for me and for my children, we're going to stay in the covenant. I hope that Roman succeeds in everything that he does. I hope he progresses in whatever occupation that the Lord allows him. But Roman, if you never succeed as a business person or in this life, don't ever lose the covenant. Don't give up on the Holy Ghost, Roman. I don't know where you're at. I've lost you. Reagan, I don't know what you're going to do in this life, but don't ever give up on the covenant. You may not have a microphone or a pulpit, but you're always going to be a preacher of the gospel. You may not have a platform in this house, but you're always going to have a platform everywhere. Don't give up on the gospel. Hear me, kids. Don't ever stray from holiness. Just because you might stick out a little bit. I'm going to tell you, there's 1.6 billion Muslims that don't care what they look like. There's a billion three Buddhists that don't care what they look like. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't want you to look like Katy Perry. <laughs> come on, come on, I, I'm not after that. I don't want you to, come here, come here, come here, Nico. I don't want you to look like Post Malone. I don't want you to look like all those people. I don't want you to look like Hollywood. I don't want you to look like the world. I don't care what they're selling. You got a covenant. Somebody gave you a covenant and it's worth everything.
I want to tell you something, Alexandra. You got to love what's been given to you and what you've received. You expand on it and love the Lord, Ellie, and love God and keep your prayer life and keep writing your journals every time you read your Bible. That's the covenant. It's a separated life. It's the Holy Ghost. Hear me. When people receive the Holy Ghost in the Bible, they spoke with other tongues. And I'm praying that everybody you lay hands on who receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. Hear me, Nico. While you're out there forging and making your knives, not only do I don't want you to get burned, but just remember, the Lord has beaten out a path. It's a sure way. It's a founded way. God may have called you to do a great thing. I believe God's called you to do a great thing. Hear me. I got to talk to my four children. My four children. I can't influence really anybody else. But in the morning, I'm going to influence. And in the evening, I'm going to talk about it. Why? Because there's only one God. In the morning, we got to know here, oh, Harpo household, the Lord our God is one Lord. to tell the church the Lord is a healer he's a deliverer and there's no better life than the life that we're living right now it is a covenant and I want to be a keeper of it see Lot never knew what was going to happen to him the day that Abraham gave him a way out because he got puffed up said I can keep everything that I have you mean I don't have to give up anything I can go my own way sure and Abraham said it which I do not believe it was facetious he wasn't playing around with Lot I don't believe he was even testing him he said choose whatever place you want Whatever place you choose, I'll take the opposite. Now watch. Lot chose the well-watered plains. It left Abraham with stony rock and dirt. The hard soil. Let me tell you about the hard soil. God is the creator of the well-watered plains. He can bring a greater harvest out of the hard soil than the well-watered plains could ever bring. What looks so enticing. So many of my friends growing up have religion, but they left the covenant. Preacher kids like me, we sat at those tables and ate pizza and laughed and went to rallies. We worshiped together. They've left the root. And they've tried to devise a way to transfer the anointing that comes from separated lifestyles. And it's not working. It's just manufactured. And by the time they get done with all of that, they're still empty as they were when they began. And over time, the apostolic way becomes egregious to them. And they become bitter. And they bring up every hypocrite in the church and every hypocrite that they've ever known. Let me just tell you right now, there's always going to be hypocrites in the church. 
There have always been hypocrites in the church. There's always going to be somebody that says, I'll give. Ananias and Sapphira is in every church. (laughs) Always somebody's going to be a hypocrite. Someone's going to tell you, I love you, I love you. They don't love you, they hate you. Many people have told me they love me. I'm just not a very good discerner of the spirits. <laughs> I was shocked to find out they weren't telling the truth. Hear me, there's always going to be a hypocrite. Don't leave the church because there are hypocrites in the church. It could be that maybe they would be convicted and repent. But if they never repent, the covenant is greater than the lives of other people. Hear me, where you walk in these moments today and how you live in the path today is going to be the example for everyone after you. You see, there's coming a day, it's coming quickly. Many young people will be married. (laughs) Many, elder. That's why I would like you and Brother Ham, Brother Hudger, start, you and your wives start a marriage counseling store. A store they can shop over the food pantry. It's a marriage section aisle. aisle. What to say, what not to say. How to last. How many years have you been married, Brother Gordon? Almost as long as I've been alive. How many years have you been married, Brother Hudiger? 52. Longer than I've been alive. Why did Sister Hammond decide to keep you, Brother Hammond? Okay. You were thinking of a number, weren't you? Sorry, I threw you off. His first response was 39. Hear me now. Mike and Lori, every time you come up to the altar and you worship God, you throw your hands up and declare the beauty of the Lord in your life. I'm going to tell you right now what you don't realize. Those kids, I don't know where they are. They're going to get married in May. And sometime down the line, they're going to have little Mike and Lori's walking around. And whatever you're sowing right now is going to be manifest in their life in a few years from now. Whatever you're speaking out of your mouth right now is going to come out of their mouth. People you don't even know. Here, pastor, if the Lord so tarries, people you don't even know are going to be worshiping the Lord at the same place where you found your joy, your healing, your deliverance, and your strength. I'm preaching this word. I'm preaching, I'm preaching about people who have not even showed up on the scene, but they're coming on the scene. Hear me, every father. Hear me, dad. You get with your kids and you tell them all the good things about the church. And if you know any bad things about anybody, just close your mouth because it'll stain them and affect them. And wherever you land, you say, we're going to be in the covenant. This house is going to be in the covenant. about all the 
churches. I'm not pastoring any of the church, but I'm preaching to you tonight. We're going to stay in the covenant. We're going to have a Holy Ghost church. We're going to have a separated church. We're going to have a one God church. We're going to have a shouting church. We're going to have a tongue talking church. We're going to have a dancing church. need a keeper of the covenant here tonight I gotta have a keeper of the covenant I feel like just going back to the old times and saying give me that old time religion Can you imagine? There are Pentecostal churches right now telling people don't speak in tongues in the church. They're telling them from the pulpits, don't speak in tongues in the church. It's starting to happen over and over and over again. And I just found out another one's doing it. Why are they doing it? They say, because it scares the guest. Can you imagine if the 120 in the upper room said, now listen, when we get done with this, let's just kind of walk out into the streets and, and let's not do this in the streets. Can you imagine? Let me tell you, the question cannot come until you speak in tongues. What's the question? Are not all these which speak Galileans and how we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers of Mesopotamia and Pontus and Phrygia and Campylia and the parts of Cyrene and Asia. We hear them speak the wonderful works of God. And if you're not speaking in tongues, they'll never ask the question. What is that? So I'm not afraid or ashamed. You can put me on the internet. I'm going to be speaking in on tongues in line. Online I'm going to speak in tongues in the church. This is your lineage. It's your heritage. I'm almost done. Just stand with me. Oh yes, oh yes now, oh yes, oh yes. Oh yes. Watch this. Young men, watch this. Here, Pastor. Someday, you're going to have a girlfriend that counts. And you won't ask your dad or mom for money. It may be one of them. Unless you're a dud. And you don't have a job. See, I got to say this, even though they may not... All of them may not grasp it. But I believe if I'll speak it out of my mouth like a blessing on them... The world is speaking enough garbage out of their mouth. It's, it's about time you speak good things. Hear me. Live holy. Live separated. Don't mess around with the world. I don't want to get into specifics, but don't mess around with anything you think that Jesus wouldn't want you to put in your mouth or put in your eyes or say out of your mouth. Live, live 
listen, young men, live holy. Because what you really want is a godly young lady that will be true to you. And the only way you can attract a godly young lady is for you to be a godly young man. And you can be a godly young man and a separated man. young ladies you don't want a guy oh everybody you don't want a guy that pretends to be in the church until they get married to you you don't want a guy that treats the church as eharmony.com farmers only and 50 plus and yuppiecity.com and Hickville hookups and I don't know what's out there. You don't you don't want them to treat the church just to wait for them to get a wife and then go home after they married you and say, I don't really want to go to church. I never believe that anyway. And then you're stuck for the rest of your life coming to church and dragging your babies into church, but your husband is sitting on the couch drinking beer and watching a ball game. I'm talking about the covenant right here tonight. I'm going to tell you what, i got to promote the covenant. I don't know if I have everyone's permission or even everyone's support, but I want to tell you right now, let this be a covenant keeping church. Let this be a covenant keeping place. We love the world, but we're not, we're separated from the world. We're in the world, but we're not part of it. Okay, help me now. Holy God. You sing it. God, thou art holy. We serve a holy God. No unclean thing is going to enter his presence. Thou art holy. And he's commanded us to be holy, which means set apart. I'd be remiss in my spiritual calling not to present the covenant to all of you. So I stand here tonight to call out to whoever can hear it, whoever will see this preached word. Come out from among them, saith the Lord. Come out from the elements of corruption into sound judgment. Stay in the well-proven path of the divine will of God. God is looking for people who will keep his word. He's looking for you and me to keep his word many years ago and it's not like this today but many years ago there was a big soda war going on it was Coca-Cola versus Pepsi I'm sure it's still going on we've got in our church people who work for both companies And they, they don't like each other. 
I don't know if that's true. Pepsi-Cola was trying to gain traction. Their market share was much, much lower than it is today. In fact, Pepsi-Cola was almost considered the new kids on the block. In the world of the markets, their stock was always lagging. Because in those days, we didn't sell water. (laughs) Who would have thought we'd buy water now? Why don't we start a water company? All they do is get it out of the tap. We'll call Brother Hudiger's house, Mountain Spring. (laughs) We can get out of the church faucet and call it living water (laughs) here's a buck and Pepsi Cola was doing everything they could to fight against Coca Cola all their commercials, all their advertisements of course most of the advertisements in those days happened in magazines there was tons of magazines everyone had prescription magazines and Coca-Cola decided that moment to stay on the ground. Now they made a mistake and many mistakes and decided they were going to upgrade and did new Coke and that was a failure and bomb and lost market share on new Coke. But the early days of those Coca-Cola executives said, we're not going to fight against Pepsi. We're not even going to talk about Pepsi. All we're going to say is, we're the real thing. We're going to ignore our competitor. Or whoever is out there. Because someone had the wisdom, the wherewithal to know. When you start fighting individual people, you never stop fighting. The best thing to do is just declare, this is the truth. So when someone says to you, well, what about this or that? You just open up your word and say, well, I don't know about that, but let me just show you what Jesus said. Let's go back to the word. The covenant is in the word. I'm praying right now for everybody in this house. I want you to lift up your hearts and your hands now. I want you to receive the word that I just preached, that I preached to you and proclaim it to the Lord. Help me, Lord, be a keeper. I don't know how you want to respond to it but somebody makes needs to make a declaration here to God you don't need to make it to me but you need to make it to God you don't need to make it to your your friends but you need to make it to God nobody's getting me out of this thing I'm never leaving even if they tell me I gotta go I'm gonna fall on the floor and beg them don't ever make me leave wherever you go I'm going where you live how you live I'm gonna live your God's gonna be my God where you die I'm gonna die right there
moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas, you ought to be calling out to the Lord right now and plant some good seeds just out of your mouth. Plant some good seeds out of your mouth and say, I'm praying for a Holy Ghost revival in our own home, in our marriages, among my children, among my grandchildren.